0: You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it down.
1: The wide open. <laughs> touchdown Tyreek Hill.
2: Wow,
3: the hit it man. I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon.
1: Waddle. Waddle. To a shotgun. Back to throw. Looking. Steps up. Fires. Touchdown. It.
0: It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of, of the day. day. Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse
1: if you're not fired up. You have got to check your pulse after that one. What is up, dolphins fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, it's another Sunday, another Dolphins victory. Make it four straight, heading into our Sunday off as the Dolphins move to seven and three. Heading into the bye week, they seize the top spot in the AFC East for the week in doing so. And we're breaking it all down here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Five takeaways from a complete Dolphins victory. We'll hear from quarterback Tua tonga head coach Mike McDaniel. We'll talk teaching tape, the play before the play, and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Hill Studios inside the Baptist Hill Training Complex. This is... The drive time podcast. That's
2: Miami Dolphins.
1: What a game that was for your Miami Dolphins! No punts for the offense after a Browns opening drive touchdown. The Dolphins proceed to score 39 of the next 49 points that were scored in this game. They look as dominant as they have all year. Pass game, run game, offensive line, defensive line, defensive secondary, special teams. The few times they were called upon. Let's look at the stats here before we get into the five takeaways, and we'll go ahead and close this podcast giving you some crazy stats from this game. But as for this one, the Dolphins 29 first downs to Cleveland's 20. The Dolphins convert 6 of 11 on third down and 1 for 2 on fourth down. Cleveland's 5 of 12 on third down and 2 for 5 on their fourth downs. Miami was just nine yards away from 500 on the day, 491. That's 296 through the air, 195 on the ground. Compared to Cleveland's 297, they had 185 through the air and 112 of their own on the ground. Plays pretty even in this game. Miami's 67 plays, Cleveland ran 62. The Dolphins did not turn the football over. They were sacked just one time and lost six yards. They took it away once from the Browns, sacked Brissett three times for 27 yards, and they also had fewer penalties for fewer yardage, five for 43 to Cleveland, 6 for 52. The Dolphins possess the football for just over 33 minutes in this game. Let's go ahead and start with takeaway number one. Tua Tungavailoa's ascent continues.
2: He's really seeing the field well. And, um, you know, to I think sometimes uh, the way how fast he's playing and how fast he's processing, um, you, you cut the tape on it, it looks like he might be throwing to number one or two. Um, but he he is progressing through eligibles one through five in his progression um, with lightning speed, uh, and that that's really making it frustrating for um, you know a defensive front. Uh, you're in pass rush mode; you can't get to them. That's it can, that can wear on you. So he's doing a lot of things um, visually, um, manipulating defenders, making really good throws, um, and getting the ball out uh, and. And putting in, when he is throwing into contested situations um, from time to time, he's putting outstanding ball placement. So you can't, you know, I don't think we've had, um, you know, it's probably like, what, 90 pass attempts roughly in three games. And I don't think there's been um, a, a close interception or a turnover. So you're talking about um, being able to have aggressive style of football play, where you can um, feel comfortable as an offense and as a coach to call a pass play, and know you're not going to give the defense it back. You know, so that's um, th- those are just some of the things. And then the the biggest thing for me with with Tua specifically is it'd be impossible to see, um, you know, on game tape. I, But the whole team in the last month has taken an unbelievable jump in accountability, how they prepare and how um, they just go about doing their jobs. And he's one of the main reasons that that's occurring. He is um, really coming to his own. Skin in regards to being a leader at that quarterback position, He's, um, guys are rallying around him. He's demanding a standard and holding himself at a tremendous high uh, standard himself. So, um, the, those are just a couple of things I could. We could have a a press conference if you wanted. Um, very very happy with him.
1: I mean, how could you not be? He finishes the day 25 for 32 with 285 passing yards. That's just a smidge below 80% completion. Three touchdowns, no picks, no sacks, no fumbles, 135 passer rating. He goes seven for seven on third down again, 80 passing yards, one touchdown. That's a 153.9 passer rating. His third down passer ratings last three weeks this is so ridiculous 158.3 that's perfect against detroit 158.3 against the bears that's perfect 153.9 to a slack and you drop your passer rating on third downs by five points away from the perfect mark he is absolutely dealing at this stage of his career he's the first nfl player to have three consecutive games with a passer rating over 135 since lamar jackson did it in 2019 uh let's see his pass rate in the last three games, 138.7, 135.7, 135.0, just continues to get the job done. The Dolphins are 14 1 in the last 15 games that Tua has finished and 13 2. In his last 15 starts, he's now 20-9 and nine as the Miami Dolphins quarterback, and surely he'll be the top quarterback in QBR, passer rating, uh, yards per attempt, touched all that fun stuff. He's been top of the league for the whole season. I have a hard time seeing him come down from that perch after this performance. And in fact, the Dolphins did not punt the football in this game. It's only the fifth time in franchise history the team has not punted in the first time since 2003. In fact, the Dolphins have punted just two times in the last three games combined. It's going pretty good, going pretty good right here. And I want to talk about some of the plays that really stood out to me about Tua's game. You heard it from Coach McDaniel. You've heard the numbers. So, like, I'm just giving you extra here on top of what you already know. But I want to break down. I was just basically noting some things on all the throws that he was making. We'll get into this on in the All-22 podcast on Tuesday. But it began with a touchdown pass to Alec Ingold. I mean, you know, free rusher in his face. Tua back in college, like, that was one thing that I loved about his game was his ability to, To just mitigate one free rusher. Now, if you get multiple free rushers, sometimes that's a win for the defense against no matter who the quarterback is. But if my quarterback can make one guy just not get home, then I feel pretty good about his ability to make guys miss. He has a man right in his face. He pump fakes, gets the guy off the ground, kind of dips the shoulder and rolls through it, and then puts the ball right on Ingold to catch the ball, run upfield, and find the end zone for his first touchdown catch as a member of the Miami Dolphins. Now two touchdowns for the Dolphins here with Alec Ingold. The throw to Waddle before the big gainer that almost broke for a 65-yard touchdown, I thought that was one of his best throws of the day where the linebacker that was in that vicinity of, you know, Waddle has an outside leverage cornerback and then a linebacker in the hook, and they bring that linebacker on the blitz. And before he even gets close to Tua, Tua sees it, and the ball's out. We always talk about replace the blitz with the football. He does it perfectly. It was a really well-located pass, and I think the one play the Dolphins had in offense where I could say, like, hey, we dropped that ball. That's one to have back. But the very next play, they come back and dial up Waddle right down the middle once again. This time, Jalen secures the catch and makes a huge play for his offense, and dang near slipped that tackle. Good location on the ball right between the numbers. Middle of the field open. Let's take it. He rips it down the middle to Waddle for 29 yards. Then there was a throw to Tyreek Hill, where Tua had pressure, and you know, Coach McDaniel talked about this earlier this week, about what's so unique about Tyreek Hill, and he referenced these routes that he's only seen a handful of guys, and he went back to 2013 with Leonard Hankerson, former Miami Hurricane and former uh, Washington football team member, and he talked about these routes that only certain guys can run because of the pacing and speed and their ability to get to those spots that take a long time to develop, And I thought this was one of them. It was a deep comeback from Tyreek. And Tua just lays it out there because he has so much pressure in his face. And when you have man coverage, you can do that because you know the corner's playing the man. And Tyreek isn't even to the top of the route yet, let alone out of the break. He's not even to the top of the route to get out of the break. The ball's out, and the minute Tyreek turns back to the the quarterback, there it is. Taps the toes in for a huge completion. Man, he's seeing the field well. He's ripping it well. He's putting the ball right on target. And then it just got better from there. The third and seventh throw to Waddle right before the Sherfield touchdown catch was absolutely phenomenal. Far hash, eight-yard route, which, by the way, Waddle always gets to the sticks on these routes, which is such a veteran type of trait for a receiver to have, and you have to love that about his game. But to a far hash out route with man coverage trying to drive that inside shoulder, that's like, if you're not perfect on that throw, that's pick six city. But Tua was, and that's just who he's been with his ball placement. Such a gorgeous throw. I was so impressed by that one. And then the very next throw to come back and rip that pylon fade to Trent Shurfield, who makes a phenomenal catch to tap the toes. That ball could not have been handed any more perfect to Trent Shurfield. And you guys recall when I had Tua on drive time the night he got drafted, and I asked him about the national championship game winner, and he broke down the bender over the middle to, I'm pretty sure... I think he was talking about Judy, and then he goes back to the, the the takeoff to Smitty on the left side of the formation. He broke that play down with recall that I was just like, dude, that was that was years ago, and you recall it that well? Well, listen to, to Tua right here talk about the touchdown pass to Trent Sherfield.
0: Yeah, I, I think on, on that particular play, it it was... It looked like a, a, a Palms look, where if Tyreek broke out, they could play cover two, and if not, then they'd play cover four. So... It really helped that Tyreek was also in the slot on that side so we don't we didn't know if they were gonna double or or cloud it or play four so I I did my footwork looked at Tyreek and was trying to feel through Tyreek with the corner and I felt like he was squatting so I I gave Trent an opportunity and you know Trent made a big play for us in that in that instance so I'm I'm really happy that he he finally got a, a touchdown as a dolphin
1: Really cool to hear him talk about that. We know he was not thrilled about the fact that Trent didn't get the touchdown in Detroit. He gets it here against the Browns in home, at home in Miami. So then we talk about that first half performance and I gave you one, two, three, four, six throws that I was so impressed by. I've got five more here in the second half. To start the half, little lob pass to Jeff Wilson Jr. out of the backfield where the defensive lineman was kind of in that no-man's land, but he played it well to kind of play away from Tua and got his hands in the passing lane. That's okay. Tua throws it with this little touch and enough zip like so that it kind of humps up over the the defender right into the breadbasket and sends him off for a 14-yard catch and run. Just the touch and timing and feel to know how to, you know, not just manipulate the defense, but the football, like with how he throws it, different levels of throws, different touch, different like velocity and spin. All that stuff, man, he's in the bag. And then he had to throw to Cedric Wilson where he's fading back from pressure once again as one of the few times that pressure got through. two was just like, I got this. Let me kind of buy an extra three-tenths of a second by fading back and I'll put this ball on the outside shoulder away from the defense and lead said up into the sideline for another catch and run. Then he has a throw to Mike Gasicki that it was dang near a nice little posterization from Gasicki, but a nice breakup by the defensive back. But that ball was located high and away where only Mike could get it. I love the location of that. And then I think even maybe better than the Shurfield in the third and seventh throw to Waddle, the touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill, where they go zero, they send the house, they're playing man coverage. And when they do that, why not throw the ball to Tyreek? So you find 10, find your hot. Once again, drift away from the pressure. You know they're going to be coming clean because they have more guys than you can block. Buy some time, fade back, and then put the ball once again in perfect location. And for Tyree to come back underneath it and, and go meet the football, both those guys made great plays right there. But the location of that, when you can't even get your feet set because of the zero pressure, that is high-level stuff. And then they kind of put away drive late in the game. He throws an outbreaker to Waddle. And I I only really I have this in here, I think, because of the view I had. It was like, I was right in line with where I was sitting, the pass from Tua to Waddle. He throws it before Waddle even kind of sinks his hips into the break, and the ball is just right on the money, right on location to give his receiver a chance to turn up for a big play. It's 138 consecutive passes now without a turnover, interception, or fumble. He hasn't lost a fumble all year, by the way. He has 18 touchdown passes compared to three picks. And again, (laughs) three turnovers in... You know, more than in eight games he's played. I mean, I, it's just, it's crazy to me. Three straight games of three or more touchdowns. I gave the stats off the top. Uh, if you watched the game on television or if you were there, surely you heard the MVP chants. Let's go ahead and check in with Tua on the crowd at Hard Rock Stadium, the biggest, the most tickets ever distributed at Hard Rock Stadium, over 66,000, all chanting MVP for QB1. Let's check in with Tua on
0: that. Yeah, there's there's no doubt I, I heard that. I, I mean, could you hear that when, when it was... A TV timeout, you know, when when we were walking back into the tunnel, um, you know, it, it's flattering, but it, you know what what we came to to do and what we came to accomplish, it's it's not it's not accomplished yet. So, it'd be cool, but you know, we we have bigger goals and aspirations on what we want to do as a, as a team.
1: So there you go. Takeaway number one, just like Mike McDaniel said, I could do an entire podcast or for his sake, press conference on that quarterback. He is playing out of his mind. Let's go ahead and take our first break after takeaway number one Tua continues to ascend. We'll come back and do takeaways two through five, get you the play before the play, some teach tape, lots of stuff to come here on the drive time podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield brought to you by AutoNation.
3: Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring?
1: Recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Victory Monday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Our 7 and 10 starts this year. It's fun to win, man. We had takeaways, uh, takeaway number one already in the books. Takeaways two through five coming your way here next. And takeaway number one had to do with the quarterback and the passing game. Well, there was a lot more than just the passing game in this one. We start with takeaway number two is Jeff Wilson infuses an infectious play style. The run game is cranking and the game planning against a one-cap one gap style running defense was absolutely on point all game long. First, let's go ahead and hear from Tua tunga and what he felt about the running game and the offensive operation in general.
0: I, I think with, with the speed that we have outside, it definitely helps. But then again, it, you, you can't discredit our guys up front. Like our, our guys were protecting their ass off, had zero sacks. Um, you know, like I, I had a clean pocket. I mean, when I took my my shoulder pads off, and and made a comment. She said, "Wow, your your jersey's so clean." Well, you know it's because of our guys up front, and you know our, our our running backs have. I mean, with Raheem and and Jeff, I mean it's. I've never seen a duel like this, and I've never been a part of a backfield like that before. So this is, you know, this is this is cool, um, you know outside of the college room of, of backs you know, in the NFL.
1: So there's two lamenting his running back room and the, the running backs that he has alongside him. And the reason I talked about the game plan aspect of it was Jeff Wilson had a big run in this game. I forget when it was. It was either second or third quarter heading towards us uh, in my side of the stadium where they rip off a big run and the Browns, we talk about on the, on the preview podcast, they want a one-gap. They want to get upfield up and, and play with their hair on fire. Coach McDaniel talked about it last week with Joe Woods, kind of that combination of the cover three with a wide nine technique and get upfield, get in your gap, maintain that gap, and, and force the offense to play around that. Well, the Dolphins played, I thought, really into how that could possibly benefit them by saying, all right, well, if you want to take that particular gap, you take it, I'll wall you off and seal it off, and we'll use your aggressiveness to your to our advantage. And they did it, I thought, all game long to put the Browns in these situations where they kind of manufacture these big gaps for Raheem and Jeff Wilson to run through. Just a really good run game, a really good game plan, really good execution from the offensive line as well as the backs. And, you know, t- talk about Jeff Wilson and kind of one of the three-pronged parts of this second takeaway. Man, the effort that he runs with I think that the power that he runs with allows him to run with the elusiveness that he has where he gets into that second level and he can drop his shoulder, which kind of puts you in a bit of, you know... I got to make a decision right now or he can put his foot in the ground and cut it back and you're in this you know ambiguous situation where you got to make a decision on is he going to be with speed or power and he can do both of them and he moves the pile consistently he falls through tackles and and gets forward lean to get additional yardage and for this offense and any offense that's a massive massive key just continuously finding ways to to create additional yardage that maybe isn't there has been the name of the game for these guys the run game was cruising the big lanes at one point early on I think it was the first quarter Wilson had four for 39 Raheem had two for nine six for 48 in one quarter and it just kept going that way and if you look at the multiple big runs that Raheem Mostert had his 14-yard run you get a great seal from Teron Armstead Trent Sherfield outside Raheem drops the shoulder and runs from what could have been a potential like second and three to all of a sudden a first down because he put his head down and ran through the contact and then you know I talked about Jeff Wilson's game it's it, it's so impressive and really the only you, you factor in the Dolphins running yards in this game They had a segment of the game where they went 0-3, for trying to move the sticks on second, one, third, and one, fourth, and one. That's three running plays that don't get you anything, and they still wind up with just shy of 200 rushing yards in the game. There was a 13-yard run in the game that was just textbook offensive line play, where they just continuously, again, take advantage of where the Browns defense wants to go and play, you know, not just to the strength of your team, but where can you potentially attack the vulnerabilities of the opposition? I gave you the first quarter stats. They wind up in the first half with 14 for 87. They finish 33 with 195. That's 5.9 yards a pop. Remove Skylar Thompson's three kneel downs. That's right. Skylar Thompson gets into the game as the the scoreboard kind of gets lopsided. Take away his three kneel downs. Dolphins ran for 6.5 yards per carry in this game. I can't wait to see all the forced missed tackle numbers from Pro Football Focus, the yards after initial contact. It was really impressive to watch. It gave you the ultimate compliment of the offense. And, you know, Tua can throw for 300 yards in a day like that where you rush for 200. Like, gosh, it's it's impressive. Or nearly, nearly 300, I should say. But Jeff Wilson, 17 for 119, uh, 2 for 24 in the passing game. He's got 215 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns. And he got here ten days ago, where he mostered eight carries for 65 yards, four catches for 22 of his own in the passing game. You talk about the offensive line play. My goodness, I mean, every play to a man. If they ran the ball left, it was basically center, left guard, left tackle. Run the ball right, center, right guard, right tackle. That all got themselves in the notes. Teron Armstead. Every time they run wide, he leads up a big block in the second level, out in space. It's such a tough task to do. He does it consistently. Brandon Shell, ask him to seal, ask him to down block, ask him to pull. It just doesn't matter. Robert Hunt, devastating blocks at the second level. His athletic ability to pull play side and get his butt into the gap for Raheem Mostert. And then you see him lock onto his man and then turn his hips, turn his butt into the gap to create a wall to seal off that lane. And there goes Raheem, 24 yards untouched. Every time you look up at Connor Williams, he's wiping out a linebacker of the second level after he hits a reach block and, you know, gives his guards better blocking angles on those chips to create space. Just a phenomenal season for Connor Williams. Rob Jones, when he gets it right, it's picture perfect, and he got it right a lot today. Alec Ingold, the fullback, I mean, every single game you get get a big block where he's leading someone up in the gap and he's, you know, putting someone on their back or just completely taking them out of the play. And then the athletic ability and balance that he had, obviously in the touchdown catch, right? That's pretty apparent. But there was a catch later in the game where he, you know, spun off of a potential tackle and he, he got tackled, but he picked up four or five yards. And you just saw the ability from an athletic standpoint to go from route runner to pass catcher to ball carrier. There are not more than maybe four fullbacks in the planet that can do that. Consistently with that level of athletic ability. We've got one of them, and he's playing really good football right now. Just continue to be impressed by him. Let's go ahead and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel on this running game, the dedication all season long, all off season long it took to get to this point, and how proud he is. I love this line where he tells you about you learn a lot about people when the results aren't quite there of what you're trying to do. That's a great line here, but the entire sound by from Coach McDaniel on his running game, getting thanks cranking. 195 on the ground. Here's Coach.
2: There's no shortcut around it. Um, it's something that you're very proud of as a coach because you know, it's, uh, it's an entire group um, really dedicating themselves to the craft. You know, um, it's tough. You, you come here, there was a lot of talk about um, our run game. And you know, just because of the, the past successes, I've been fortunate enough to have myself. Um, And and guys were excited about the system and um, when you don't have immediate results You you get to learn a lot about people and uh, in in this particular Circumstance um, we'd have a bunch of guys really working at the craft um, At at a level that you you need to um, To really attack something um, when you're playing an opponent at the National Football League and so it was awesome to uh, see you know that collective effort r- r- really bear fruit um, you know that that's a team accomplishment um, because it d- doesn't just involve the the offensive players. Um, you're talking about a lot of effort that goes in um, on the defensive side of the ball uh, to give us the type of looks so that we can um, really you know, hone in on the speci- the specifics to the defense and um, you know just happy with how uh, everyone kept their head down and um, and was grinding um, to you know earn that result uh, because that's something that you can be proud of um, for the right way you don't fall into that you that's months and months of strain and deliberate practice that uh you could be fortunate enough to have a day like that
1: let's go ahead and go right back to the well with coach mcdaniel and talk about the offensive line and how he's seen that group come together and gel and the work of the coaching staff to get all of that working in one cohesive unit
2: we, we felt pretty good in training camp you're going against one defensive style um when, when, when you're making your assessments, really OTAs and training camp, we felt good about the progression. Then I felt that once we started playing the season, the adaptation to the different um, nuances of defensive front play and structures and, and adjusting week by week with your, t- your concepts and, and such, I, I thought we, we showed our youth and um, what's been tremendous Uh, led by the coaching staff, um, specifically Frank Smith and um, Applebaum and um, Person and Lem, really, is you've gotten into a groove of how to properly prepare for the the specifics of what a defense can present. But then most importantly, above all else, that's, that's all good and fun, but you've seen... A offensive line group that has made the decision to um, be all in and and really own the techniques and fundamentals that are necessary to win so um, it's a it's one of my it's a beautiful process when you talk about um, players uh, getting better during the course of the season because it's so hard Um, and so when you see players and groups of players um, coming together and getting better during the course of the season, to me that's what the name of the game is, and that's, uh, it's the hardest thing, but it's the most important thing when you're talking about an entire season.
1: Takeaway number three, after we talked about Jeff Wilson's infectious attitude, giving a lift to the Dolphins' running game, the run game cranking from an execution standpoint, and the game plan really hitting its notes. Takeaway number three is the traditional Browns' running game just did not get off the ground. In this one, I thought this was the best middle linebacker game the Dolphins had all year long. I thought Landon Roberts was exceptional, defeating blocks with physicality. I thought Jerome Baker was exceptional. In fact, there was a hit, and I tweeted about it. I said, there's E-Rob. That's an E-Rob hit right there. It was Jerome Baker, you know, given what is he given, 30 pounds to Landon Roberts, and he comes in there and makes a stick that makes you think he's 52. He was beating blocks with his quickness, his ability to kind of, you know, duck around players and stay on his feet and stay on balance and then get behind the pads and still arrive with force. Really impressive games from both of those guys. I thought Christian Wilkins was as good as he's ever been in this game. Riding the wave, coming down the line on those outside zone runs, the stretch runs that go wide away from your particular side of the field. And he goes in there and cuts Nick Chubb down for a play right at the line of scrimmage right before the two-minute warning. You wind up getting some sack production after that, too. So he kind of sets the table in that way. And Zach Sealer for that matter, as well. I mean, the forced fumble that he had was such an impressive piece of teaching tape and we'll actually go ahead and save that for later, but he was doing it all game long with the pushback and the initial surge that he get from the defensive line. Like, the Dolphins' offensive line got that surge, and so did the defense line, just to really, really dominate the trenches. In the first half of the Browns, 13 rush attempts, 31 yards. That's 2.4 a clip. They had one turnover, so that's a great thing. Another another takeaway on downs for the Dolphins' defense. And three for six on third downs, one for two on fourth downs, so 50% right there uh, on the money downs. I thought the Dolphins had outstanding gap control repeatedly in this game, both inside with... Wilkins, Sealer, Raquan Davis, I thought held the nose fantastically in this game. But Andrew Van Ginkle, Melvin Ingram, Jalen Phillips, uh, Bradley Chubb on the outside, Emmanuel Ogba when he was in there before he left with an injury. But Van Ginkle had a really good play on an outside run where he kept his outside shoulder free, got on the outside shoulder of the tackle, and then eventually got off that block and he basically forced the back to bubble back inside where Zach Sealer had crashed down from the backside to make that play. So just good gap control to cut the Browns' really, really vaunted run game down consistently in this game. Talk about Wilkins and Sealer and Raekwon Davis. Bradley Chubb uh, was a big factor against the pass and the run game all game long. Nick Chubb got that, that 33-yard touchdown run in the second half, and... Remember it was, you know, 24 to 7 when the Browns first got the ball in the second half and we got that third down stop that was negated by a roughing call on Christian Wilkins that would have gotten the ball back to Miami, you know, up with a 24 to 7 lead. But again, the first half rushing numbers are 13 for 31. They finished 24 for 112, but again, Jacoby Brissett had seven for 40. Nick Chubb, 33. You know, remove that from his total 10 for 30. I'm not going to remove that number because I hate when that that happens. Like, yeah, take away a player's best play. Then their numbers aren't as good, obviously. But for the purpose of defending the traditional Dolphins running defense against actual handoffs to backs, I am going to remove the scrambles because especially when two for 20 of that on the final drive, when there's five minutes left in the game in a 22 point game like Yeah, it's a little easier for the quarterback to get off the off the spot and and rush against three and four man rushes. You know, remove the seven for forty. It's seventeen for seventy two. That's four point two. Pretty good. And if you look at just the other 16 runs, it's like, you know, obviously the 33-yard run happened. That's not good. You can't have that. But you held the Browns to 2.4 yards per carry on the other 16 runs. So that's really, really good, consistently getting yourself into good down and distances. It's how you put yourself in a situation to get off the field on third downs. You know, some late scrambles, one big run, and then just a bunch of wins for this Dolphins defense. To finish out the stats, the Dolphins end the day with one takeaway, but also three turnovers on downs. On third down, the Browns were 5 of 12 and 2 for 5 on fourth down that's seven for 17 41 big point of emphasis this week for josh boyer and the defense and they went out there and got it done let's go ahead and hear from mike mcdaniel about the strength of this dolphins running defense and how he feels about their ability to defend traditional running plays.
2: no that's that's something that you know we're pretty confident in is is our run defense um you know, regardless of what the stats say, there's been um, some some games where we've had uh, some quarterback uh, runs really, really hurt us. But when you cut on the tape and when we're um, really looking uh, at ourselves in a critical fashion, I feel like that's one of our strengths. It was a tremendous challenge. They do an unbelievable job um, in Cleveland to, to, to really – Dominate the time of possession and utilize, you know one of if not the best runner in the league, so uh, it was cool to watch um, Our team rally behind that they knew the challenge that was in front of them. They knew the thing about a good running team is um, You either have to stop them or you're gonna have to deal with the consequences and it's a slow slow death and um there's no way around it you can't hide so uh for them to have that effort and um, get after it, it's very proud of that
1: that's your takeaways one through three gonna be a longer podcast today coach and two over great at the mic and I have so many thoughts on this comprehensive Dolphins 39-17 victory over the Cleveland Browns we'll come back on the other side do takeaways four and five as well as get to the teaching tape and the play before the play that's next drive time podcast your host Travis Wingfield brought to you by AutoNation Takeaway number four on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast is kind of coincides with takeaway number three in the run defense. Pass rusher, pass rush, got the job done on Sunday. Three sacks in this game, constant pressure on Jacoby Brissett, good third down numbers, consistently getting off blocks. I thought the way Bradley Chubb continued to win inside where he'd set his tackle out for a, you know, a, a width or a wider stance, a wider uh, landmark and then rush back inside on him. The way guys helped create chances like Jalen Phillips, as he is wont to do, where he, you know, will loop inside and take on multiple blockers and create lanes for other guys. Holding double teams, consistently getting off blocks, creating chances for guys. Thought Melvin Ingram, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips outside were all so, so good. You had a variety of rush packages. There were some looks in this game where Brissett had the entire like middle part of the field open to scramble because again, different type of quarterback, the dolphins wanted to get kind of that pocket, you know, surrounding him and get multiple chances to run at him and get pressure and eventually get sacked, which they did in this game with three. I thought we saw a cool variety of different looks and pass rush packages and different, you know, techniques and styles to create that pressure. And surely the coverage absolutely helped, too. I mean, Cater Kohu, how many good reps did he have in this game? Xavier Howard, pretty good game as far as the numbers and completions against him go. He was solid all day long. And then Justin Bethel, how many big plays did he have? That big, you know, great defensive Stay in phase, play the football. Don't interfere the man on that kind of post corner route that he defended on that late third down shot into the end zone. Had a couple of more plays where he's right there in phase later in the game. Let's go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on Justin Bethel, his inclusion to this team and how good he's been for this Dolphins team as a guy that was originally a special teamer almost exclusively now giving you a bunch of good reps week in week out on defense
2: I can't say enough about that, that kid here's a guy that has, has been known in the National Football League as a special teams player um, very good one and all he's done since he's been here is, you know, do his thing on special teams and then um, make plays every time he's asked. Uh, you know, we've had some injuries, given some opportunities, and he's stepped into to the plate and um, been around the ball. He competes and uh, does a great job for us. So very, very glad that he's on our team.
1: Takeaway number five. I wanted to get silly here and I kept it in here because it's terrible, but I put Alec Trentbeck. What am I talking about there? Unsung heroes, Alec Ingold and Trent Sherfield, But I wound up going with spread the love. That's going to be my ultimate takeaway here is the Dolphins spread the love as far as the football goes on offense. It was mostly about Alec Ingold and Trent Sherfield, but just a really bad pun trying to give you some Jeopardy, I guess. I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, we talk about unsung heroes on the podcast all the time. And these two guys, they just continue to get the job done, man. We talked about Ingold at length there. Trent Sherfield has the touchdown. Had a big third down conversion in the game earlier as well. Just continues to make big plays. And he winds up in this game. Trent Shurfield does with four catches for 63 yards and a touchdown in the game. I mean, Waddle, four for 66. Shurfield, four for 63. Ingold four for 45. Tyreek, five for 44. Gesicki, two for 31. Wilson Jr., uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., two for 24. Mostert, four for 22. And Cedric Wilson, one for seven. Spread the football all over the field. That's kind of the the next portion of you wanna take out ten and seventeen, we've got weapons, man. We've got a run game. We've got guys that can consistently catch the football, move the chains, keep the offense on schedule, keep us moving. And that's what happened in this game. This is a total, total team effort as it is to create production for Tyreek and Jalen, obviously, but it was nice to see those guys also get paid off with production of their own. Let's go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on the rest of the offense contributing in such a big way as they do every single week.
2: Yeah, no, um have been waiting for a game like that, you know, I think you know, first of all, to Tua, to is playing um, very, very high level football. It's it's phenomenal to watch um, him commit to the process. Uh, it's the third game in a row where I, I didn't feel a high or a low from him. He was just trying to execute each and every play, um, but it was it was rewarding and exciting um, because you know you can ask. Tyreek and, and Waddle themselves like we have a it's about a team and all of their production has to do with a team working in concert so that um, they can get those numbers and you know you play a defense that is bound and determined to m- make sure that those two individuals don't um, get as many targets uh, that leaves opportunities for everybody else and you know I was, I was very happy that um, really, the it, it seems like the uh, only in-house do people really understand that we have a good a good team, a good offense, a good defense, a good special teams. We only have uh, you know it's not just names, um, and hopefully the you know you, you got to experience a little bit about of what we've been witnessing inside of practice and out. So that we have a lot of a lot of players that can make plays, and when they're um, asked to uh, step up and make a play, um, you saw a ton of examples of guys doing doing that, which we knew they were very capable of.
1: All right, there you go. Those are the five takeaways. Real quick, the play before the play for me was the tackle for loss from Jerome Baker right before Cater Kohu's pass breakup to get the defense off the field where he keys it, gets inside the block, slips underneath it with the quickness, then played through his pads. Get your... Feet below your hips, your hips below your shoulders, and play right through it. Getting knocked back on a back like Kareem Hunt is no small task, and he did it after he had to knife in there and defeat a block. Great play and a great game from Jerome Baker. My teaching tape was Zach Sealer on the force fumble because you watch him extend the arms, get your lockout, and lock your man out, control the rep from there, extend that punch, shock him backwards, ride the wave down the opposite side of the formation against outside zone, disengage from the block, rake at the ball with your big paw, Knock it out. Big takeaway at that point of the game. Great teaching tape there from Zach Sealer. All right. Schedule update. We have this podcast is the Monday drive time edition. We'll have a all 22 podcast for y'all tomorrow. Breaking this game down in depth. Cannot wait to watch that tape. Wednesday, we'll do the five things. I think the big picture podcast, but for the entire season, then we'll take the rest of the week off. No more uh, podcast after Wednesday. And then we're going to have our game preview on Tuesday next week, Dolphins and Texans. And then Wednesday, we will do our crossover, our perspective from Houston, and then give you the holiday off as well. So no Thanksgiving, no Black Friday. By week, good time for it right here. Seven and three, Dolphins heading into the stretch run. Let's go ahead and read some of the Brett Breckeisen tweets, our great PR uh, manager here, who just fires off these bangers of statistical tweets every single Sunday. And man, he is having a good time with it right now because there's so much to talk about for this team. I gave you some of the Tua stats that he had earlier. In the game, let's go ahead and continue here. Cater Co, who had three passes defense today, which is the most buying undrafted rookie in an NFL game since Nick Needham did it for the Dolphins in 2019. That's an any for any team. The last two cornerbacks, UDFAs, to do it here are under Josh Boyer's watch in this defensive backfield. Dolphins had three sacks, 14 QB hits, and, and uh, seven passes defensed on just 35 Browns pass attempts in this game. Keep them coming for us, Brett talked about the Dolphins punting, two of stats. Dolphins are 7-3 and three for the first time since 2001 when they also began that season, 7-3. This is the 10th Dolphins win in the team's past 11 home games. It's the best 11-game home stretch for the team since they went 10-1 back in December of 2001 to December of 2002. It's a pretty good run there. Dolphins did not punt. Uh, Jeff Wilson topped 100 yards rushing and joined Raheem Mostert, who had 100 yards rushing against the Jets. It's the first time since 2018 Dolphins had two different players rush for 100 yards in a game this season. Told you about the Dolphins distributing 66,563 tickets for this game, the most since Hard Rock Stadium was modernized back in 2015. The Dolphins scored 30 or more points in three straight games for the first time since a four-game streak back in 2009. Man, we are resetting the record books this year. Again, go to Brett Breckeisen's Twitter account, at BBRECH, that's B-B-R-E-C-H, and get all these stats for you. He is firing these things off. We'll cover him on the podcast tomorrow as well. But tons of stuff to look at here for this Dolphins team. It's been a fun week, a fun season, a fun stretch of games. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating leave us a review, you can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL, follow the team at Miami Dolphins, check out the Fish Tank with Seth and Juice, our post game show the podcast will be up on Monday morning check out our Wednesday night Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday at 8 o'clock, all the international podcasts on the network, check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities Dolphins Today, Fish Tank and Drive Time content up there as well, and last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com until next time, Fins Up, Caroline Daddy's coming home